0: Job chapter 9. <clears throat> Alright, we we're learning, we're going through the book of Job. We're going to see some things here. How Job struggles with his own conclusions about God, which is a good thing for a Christian to, to learn from. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And the Bible says what things were written aforetime in the past were written for our learning to comfort us, to teach us. So let's see what we can learn from chapter 9. Look in chapter 9, verse 22, and I will. this will set the pace. We won't get this far tonight, but it'll set the pace. Job says this, This is one thing, therefore I said it. Listen to him. He, God, destroyeth the perfect, the perfect man, and the wicked. Now, Job is angry. Job is frustrated, and he says, As far as I can figure out, God up in heaven, just he ruins the life of good people and bad. (whistles) Boy, he's kind of bitter. He's uh, got some problem with his view of God, all right? Now, Eliphaz and Bildad have hammered Job. They've accused him. They've made assumptions about him being the reason why he's experienced all of those troubles in his life. And they've got all kinds of crazy theological statements as we've looked through, and a lot of them are wrong. But Job here, instead of being quiet, which is not often bad, you know, when people are accusing you or attacking you, sometimes just smile and wave. But Job doesn't just take it because they're not encouraging him one bit, and so he tries to work out the truth. They say something, he says, no, 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 no. This is what I understand. And so he's showing us that when the devil throws loads and loads of confusion at you, you need to try and work out the truth so at least you can hold on to that. The devil is a liar, amen? And when he gets inside of your head and starts speaking lies like you're not really saved or I don't know what he says, you need to be able to come right back at him and go, no, 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 no. I was there when I got saved. I just believe what Jesus said. I just believe what he did. You've got to have some truth there. So Job speaks in chapters 9 and 10 and expresses what he knows about God. And does he have a Bible? Does Job have a Bible? No. Does he, I don't know if he has a single page of the Bible. Genesis had not been written. That's going to be 600 years later under Moses. I don't think Job has a, a, a page of Scripture And so the things that he struggles with, I can understand. He's he's about 600 years after the flood, maybe 550 years after the flood. So there's a lot of oral truth being passed on. There's a lot of opinions and a lot of uh, disagreements. So Job is struggling with why God allows suffering. And he doesn't have it all figured out. The only way uh, that I can say that Job is right here or wrong here is because I'm right, right? No. The only reason why I can look at Job and see what he says and actually say he's right here and he's not right there is because I have a Bible. I have the finished revelation. I have loads of extra things that help me understand, "Mm, Job, you're not right there. And yes, you got that right. And isn't that how we judge anything now? By what saith the scripture? You know, if we didn't have a Bible, your opinion, my opinion, who's to say who's right or wrong? But when we got our Bible, that's right. So we need to let the scriptures straighten not only Job out, but straighten us out. I mean, I don't sit in judgment of Job. I'm not trying to find all his faults. I'm actually putting myself in his shoes and going, Lord, help me to make sure that what is true, that I understand what is true according to the Bible, not according to my own understanding. So, Job asks, in three verses, he asks an important, a very valuable, very uh, important question. He says, how can anyone be right with God? Let's read chapter 9, verse 1. Then Job answered and said, now he's answering back to Bildad, and he answered and said, I know it is so of a truth, it is truly true, but how should a man be just with God? If he will contend with him, if I will argue with him, if I will debate with God, I'm sorry, if God will contend with me, put it back there, the man who's arguing with God cannot answer God back one of a thousand points. That's what he's saying. He said, if I got into an argument with God, and he started questioning, cross examining me, I couldn't answer any of his questions. I can maybe answer one of his thousand questions. So here's Job, and he asks a very good question. What's the question? How can anyone be just with God? Now, I have actually, when I went through the book of Job, I found 20 impossibly asked questions, questions that have no answer unless God answers it. And this is one of them. He says, he asked a question, and he said, how, how is it even possible that anyone can be right with God? Socrates and Plato, I didn't know this, but Socrates and Plato threw the hard questions at each other. And guess what? They threw this question at each other. They asked, if there is a God, how could a God forgive sin? Because if you forgive sin, you must love the sin. That's what they determined For me to look at you and say, that is wrong, but I forgive you, it means that you must be sinful too, because you're forgiving them of something that you love now. And they're arguing back and forth, and if that's true, then that deity would no longer be a deity for him to love a sin. So they were constantly enjoying this question. Isaiah 64, leave Job for a minute. Go to Isaiah 64. Let's see if I can get somebody to read this for me. I'm going to ask. Let's see. I'll start back on Nathan. Nathan, if you will read Isaiah 64, verse 6. Okay, so compared to God, am I ever, ever going to be equal with God, sinless like God, uh, righteous like God? Am I ever going to be that level? No. So Job is saying, how could I even try to be? Why would I even think I could be? Now, he has no answer, which is a shame. Do you know there are people right now walking the streets, they go to church, sometimes a lot, and they have questions and they never get the answers. Wouldn't that be a shame that you have an answer for that co-worker or for that student or for that neighbor? And you just won't engage them. Now look at chapter, go back to Job, Job chapter 15. Uh, I was actually going to take some of it, but I got I gotta establish this that this was a question that all of Job and his friends asked. Job chapter 15, verse 14. And if I could ask John, Job 15, 14, listen to Eliphaz ask this question. What is a man that so he should be a woman he should be Well, he says, What is a man that he should ever be righteous without sin? Bildad asks this as well, Job 25 and verse 4. Let's see, uh, Miss Amanda, would you mind reading Job chapter 25, verses 4, 5, and 6? Wow. Wow. So he says, I mean, it's just, uh, how can a man be justified with God? God is so holy. How can we be right with him? That's not the end. Go to Psalm 130. Marcus, Psalm 130, verse 3. Next book after Job, Psalm 130, in verse 3. Can you imagine, Marcus, the Lord had a clipboard and it had a list of things to, to, to examine you about, kind of like a doctor, but this person looking deeper and looking at your sin. If he started marking off all of your sins, would there be anybody in here without a mark? No, we'd all be sent home, wouldn't we? So if and David says, if the Lord starts to mark off all of our iniquities, There's not one of us who would still be left standing. The wisest man struggled with this question. Go to Proverbs chapter 20. uh, Barry, Proverbs 20 and verse 9. Wow. Here's Solomon saying... I've never met anybody who said, I made up for all my sins. I made my heart clean. He's never seen that. I need you also to also go to Ecclesiastes, the next book. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 20. <clears throat> That'll be you, Barry, if you don't mind So there are are just men, there are good men, there are godly men who are going around and technically they are right with God, but every time they're doing something right, they still are sinning. So it seems to always fail, and the wisest man of all time says these. Job knows by nature that no one is just, no one is able to argue as if they're right, or as if they're equal before God. We will always, compared to God, we will always be the loser. That's just the nature of things. And he says, if I were to argue my side in a disagreement with God, and he cross-examines me and gives me a thousand questions, I won't be able to answer but maybe one of them. So what does, what does Job understand about the holiness of God? It is absolute. What does he understand about the depravity of man? It's at the bottom, no matter how good our righteousness still are only what? Filthy rags. Okay, so what's the answer? The question is, is it possible for anyone to be ever right with God? Yes or no? Come on. Yes, or else you wouldn't be here tonight, amen? You wouldn't be saved. (laughs) Let's go to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. And you, Ming, if you would read Luke 18, verse 13 and 14. Luke 18, 13 and 14. Exalted. Excellent. So here's the, the publican, Pharisee standing over there, constantly just enamored with himself, in love with himself. I'm so good. And Jesus ignores him, and he listens to this one man crying out, beating upon his chest, saying, God, I'm a sinner. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, that man's going home justified. He is made right with God. Genesis chapter 15, don't go there. It says, and Abraham believed the Lord, and God counted it to him for righteousness. Just by faith in what God said made him righteous. Go to Acts, Acts 13. Acts 13. You're now understanding the value of the gospel. What is the gospel all about? Making men right with God. The gospel is you can be made just made righteous, made forgiven in the sight of God. Acts 13, 39, let me just read these things for a time. And by him, by Jesus, all that believe are, what's the next word? They're justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. So if I, if I lie, can I do the law now and make up for that lie? No. The law will only convict me and make me guilty. And no doing of the law can make you justified. But what makes you justified? It's not a what, it's a who, isn't it? By Him. Show you another one. Go to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, probably the greatest chapter on the contrast between my sin and Christ's uh, redemption, His forgiveness. Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for, for by the law is only the knowledge of sin. The law tells me what is right or wrong. Now to verse 24, being, well, verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 26, to declare, I say, at this time, Whose righteousness? Yours? His righteousness. This is what I preach. His righteousness, that Jesus might be both just, he might be perfect, and he is the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore being justified. I think Paul feels like he has to answer Job's questions, Bildad's questions, Eliphaz's questions, um, uh, Solomon's question, um, uh, David's question, and he says, "I got to answer them all." Chapter five, verse one. Therefore, being justified by faith, isn't that wonderful? We now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Go back to verse, chapter four, verse twenty-five. Just a few, just one verse back. Who has deliver, Who was delivered for our offenses? He was delivered to the cross for all our sins, and he, he was raised again for our justification. So how does somebody get made right with God? By believing on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's pretty awesome. So Job knows that no one is just. He could look around and says, that's a perfect man. That's a sinless man. That's a righteous man. No, everyone had to be made righteous. Nobody could make themselves righteous. So, we've, I've answered what's the answer. Um, and he says something back there in Job. Let's try to get to this thing. Job chapter 9. He says something really powerful. Job chapter 9, verse 4. He, God is wise in heart and mighty in strength, who hath hardened himself against him and hath prospered. You know, you know what the main problem with most people why they don't get saved? What's the what's according to that verse? What is the reason why most people don't get made righteous by faith? You know, why hard heart they harden themselves against the humility of. That faith requires. There is no bragging in humility, in, in faith, is there? There is no boasting in faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Whoever, name uh, me somebody in the Bible who hardened himself against God. Excellent. Did he prosper? <laughs> Name me someone else who thought that I'll just I'll just ignore God, I'll just resist him. I'll 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 just become harder and harder and God will leave me alone and I'll prosper. Who else had that mindset? Jonah? Never thought of that. Mm, I know he ran away and I know he hardened his heart. Let's let's it, it, Jonah's a pretty good idea. And did he prosper? No. Who else? King Saul. I would say that's a good idea. I hadn't thought of some of these. King Saul ignored God's command about what he was supposed to do, and he did not prosper. How about Lucifer? Oh, Lucifer says, I'll be like the Most High. I'll get the worship that I deserve. I'll set my throne above all the stars. And the Lord says, you will not, and down he came. And and there's one thing true about the devil. He's the most miserable creature there is. There's one other guy I thought of, and that was a guy named Cain. Cain, he knew he was supposed to bring lamb, but instead he brought his vegetables. He brought his best efforts, and he thought, I don't need to do it God's way. I can do it my way. And Cain did not prosper. So when Job says that, it is profound. What is the one thing that Christians need to cultivate, need to constantly make sure they keep? Their heart soft. And that is priority, folks. As much Bible knowledge as we need, God's more interested in our heart, isn't he? He doesn't care that you're a Bible scholar. He cares that when he speaks, you go, yes, Lord. You're right. All right, I'm going to say some things here. Look in verse 5. I want to get to a few things here and stop. Verse 5, he he actually describes what only God can do. Job's got some things figured out. And you know, he's actually speaking from the scientific method. He actually is speaking about what is obviously provable. First of all, he says, God, which removeth the mountains, and they know not, they're not aware of it, you can't explain it, which overturneth them in his anger, can overturn a mountain, He goes on, he says, "...which shaketh the earth out of her place, and the pillars thereof tremble, which commandeth the sun, and it riseth not, sealeth up the stars, which alone spreadeth out the heavens, and treadeth upon the waves of the sea." I think this is really cute. He says, "...which maketh Arcturus, Orion, and the Pleiades, and the chambers of the south, which doeth all these great things, past finding out, past figuring out, yea, and wonders, without number. Just stop there. Let's look at the things that he describes. He says, first of all, God can move and remove a mountain. Can you? I know they try to use dynamite. I know they try to use, uh, they've drilled through mountains, things like this, but only God can actually pick up a mountain and move it somewhere. Uh, Aren't you glad that Jesus invites you to pray and ask God to move a mountain for you? If God can do that, maybe it's okay to ask him to do the impossible. I think that's cute. Um, Secondly, he says, God shakes the earth with massive earthquakes down to its pillars. Uh, if If you know anything about energy, all right, to move earth, they actually calculate how much energy it takes to have an earthquake of four or five on the, on the Richter scale, six or seven. It is an incredible amount of energy. And for Job to say, God shakes the entire earth. Now I want to give you an assumption. Job's about 500 to 600 years after the flood. And all of the continents were rearranged and moved under the water, while Job, I sorry, Job, sorry Noah, Noah's up in the ark on, on top of the water. Under the water, God's rearranging all of the continents. Incredible shifting of the tectonic plates. God drains the water, pulls the plug, water goes into the oceans, Ark lands. And for the next several hundred years, the Earth has such earthquakes. It's called afterquakes. Every major earthquake always has sometimes weeks worth of more earthquakes after just one earthquake. So I'm sure Job, every once in a while, got up and felt the earth move, and he'd meet somebody that was from 500 miles away and say, yeah, last week that same thing happened to us. He knew the entire earth was still shaking. Only God can shake the earth. Down to its pillars. Now, pillars are things that usually hold up stuff, like ceilings and roofs and the next floor. But the pillars here are, are, um, uh, are what the mountains are resting upon. It, the Bible talks about the pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his reproof. So the thing, there are things that are unseen that are holding everything together. It's called gravity. It's called mass, the laws of motions and physics. And God will shake those things. That's our God. You know, I like following the God who has strength, amen, has power. I had a friend when I was in secondary school. I had a bully in my primary education named Clifford, but I had a friend when I was uh, about 14 years old, and I don't remember his name now, but he was twice my size. You have to understand, that was easy. Most everybody was twice my size, okay? But I picked a friend because of how, how big he was, and we just got along like a house on fire. Because I needed a friend who would stick up for me. I've got a better friend now. Much When the devil shows up, I call on my heavenly father. He says, secondly, he can command the son not to rise, and the son obeys. You know, only God could do that to stop the sun from rising, to stop the stars from shining. You know what? I think this is the scripture that Joshua said, you know what? If God can stop the sun and uh, the stars from, sh- from shining, maybe he could stop them from moving. And he, in, in Joshua chapter 10, he told the sun to stop and the moon to stop so he could finish the fight. That's just, when you believe that God can do anything, you'll start asking him to do anything. Amen. When that sinks in, you'll change your prayer life. Now, God, thankfully, is not going to do everything you ask. Can you imagine if he did What if God just made, say, God, make it rain today. God, don't make it rain. You, you, <laughs> it would be very confusing, and it would be really a nightmare. But God can do the impossible. He, fourthly, he spreads out this vast expanse called heaven. Look there in verse 8. Let me read it. He alone spreadeth out the heavens. What does that mean? He stretches it out. It's an ongoing expansion. It's an ongoing stretching out of space. And you know what they discovered about 80 years ago? All these galaxies and stars, they're not all moving at the same speed. They're all spreading out. Everything is stretching out further and further. You know what that means? It all had a beginning. And one of the hardest things for all evolutionists to finally agree on is that this universe had a beginning. Well, I knew about the beginning a long time ago. They had to shove it way back 15 billion years ago. I found out it's only about 6,000 years ago. But there was a beginning, and everything's been spreading out ever since. He stretches out. It goes on. Isaiah 44 says, Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, he that formed thee from the womb, I am the Lord that maketh all things that stretches forth the heavens alone, that spreads abroad the earth by myself. I keep things growing, and moving. So, he's spreading out this universe. He goes on, he says, I am even making new stars and constellations. He lists some of them. I grew up with these. I know where Arcturus is. Arcturus is a red star. It's a part of the constellation called Virgo. At the end of another constellation called Ursa Major the Big Dipper. And Arcturus is a red giant and God said, I made that. Then he goes on he says, I made uh, Orion. And Orion has a place called the Orion Nebula where there are new stars being formed. The Pleiades is a, I wish I could show you a picture, I should have put this up. The Pleiades are one of the most beautiful star clusters you could look at through a small telescope or through binoculars. They're just brilliant blue Blue, white stars, and they're in the midst of a cloud, and there are new stars being formed there. And God says it right there. He says, where did I leave off there? Verse 9, which maketh, he makes Arcturus, Orion, Pleiades, and all the chambers of the south, all of the chambers being all the places where stars are in the southern hemisphere. That's what God does. He also constantly does great wonders and miracles, verse 10. He says, which doeth great things, past finding out, yea, and wonders without number. Lo, he goeth by me. He's done doing all this, and I see him not. He does it, but I don't see him. He passes on also, but I perceive him not. Behold, he taketh away, and who can hinder him? So he ends on a sour note. He says, he's doing all these wonderful things, and then he takes stuff away. And who can stop him? Who will say unto God, what are you doing? Because that's what he wants to ask God. Why did you take my children away? Why did you take my health away? Why did you ruin me? If you're doing all of these things, why did this happen? So, so far, Job has a great grasp of observable truth. It's called science. But science cannot fix the problem of human suffering. So we got to stop here. And I wanted to get down to this point because Job still got his questions. You know, you can understand how things work. I can look at a car and I can understand there's a combustible engine inside there. The petrol, the diesel goes this way. Spark plugs, glow plugs, da da But then I can look at a baby suffering in the hospital in a breathing apparatus. And I wonder why? Just because I can understand some things doesn't mean I understand all. And Job's struggling with suffering. So let me finish with these questions. Number one how can anyone be right with God? You know, if you're saved, you ought to know that answer because that is your opportunity to reach into somebody else's. Everybody, whether you're Solomon or David or the, the, the farthest person away from God, they all wonder, how can I get right? <clears throat> Has anyone ever hardened themselves against God and prospered? Oh, yeah, I've, learned, I've, listened, to, um, uh, I've listened to people like John Lennon, I listened to John Lennon stand up there saying, we're more, more popular than Jesus Christ. And within a year, he was dead. You, you hear that woman, uh, what's her name, uh, who wrote uh, Harry Potter and all of this stuff, and she said, my books are more read than the Bible. What a shame. She's a miserable woman. She argues with everybody. She's not a happy woman. She gets on an interview and she walks out. She can't handle anything. She's not prospering, folks. She may be so arrogant thinking she doesn't need God or Jesus Christ, but she ain't a happy woman. She cannot prosper. She may have money coming out of the wazoo, but until she gets born again, she will never prosper. What do you need done that cannot be done? That's the call to prayer. If God can do all of those things, you can ask Him for anything. You say, I don't know if I could ask God. You can ask God for anything. And he can do it. You're going to ask in his will. But you cannot doubt that he can do it. I'm glad for the book of Job. I really am. Because it answers what we can do when the devil hammers us with all the accusations and the assumptions about the troubles in your life. And he just racks your head. And when he ruins your day, you need to be able to respond with the truth. And so when the, when, when the Lord allows the devil to bring you through a dark time of what seems like a defeat, be like Job and say, all right, Lord, I, I'm going I'm, I'm to go ahead and ask for the impossible. I'm going to go ahead and struggle and make sure I believe the truth because the truth will get me through. One warning, don't think you'll ever have it all figured out. <laughs> Job's looking for answers. Believe me, God doesn't answer all of them. He doesn't hardly answer any of them. But at least Job knew who to ask. Amen? Let's bow in prayer. Father, once again, we approach the book of Job, and as usual, we hit a wall. We hit a wall where there's some things that that he couldn't understand, and neither can we. And we have to learn to trust. And it hurts. It's very hard to trust when we're hurting. So, Lord, I pray as we work through these arguments, these debates, things that you recorded in Scripture for us, as we work through, we would learn. You do marvelous things. Sometimes you do hard things. But you are wise. You know what you're doing. I can't stop you, but I can trust you. Lord, help me to always, only, Trust my heavenly Father, my loving heavenly Father, that only doeth good. You will only work everything out for good. And Help me to trust you. Job didn't have a Romans 8.28 that we can know that all things work together for good. But I do, and so I need to, I need to believe it. In Jesus' name, amen.